everybody. Welcome to Sierra Referee Podcast. Today we have another MLS and pro referee. Rubio, how are you? Hey, how are you doing, Christian? I'm good. You're an MLS and pro referee. Could you tell us why you got involved in soccer and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, so yeah, so my name is Rubio Vasquez. I've been in pro for, this is my seventh year, I believe, and this is my third year as a full-time uh, referee. And then I got my, my FIFA badge last year. So how did I get involved? Uh, I started, um, I was playing soccer. I was playing in, uh, so I'm going to say 16, 17 years old. And my coach came, came forward and was like, hey, so we're looking for referees to just on the weekends, you know, to do the little kids games, the U9, U10, will you be, you, will you be interested in doing that? You make a little cash money on the side for the weekend. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So he, he kind of got me, signed me up and did everything in that. And then Started to do it, uh, little kids games there, U9, U10, started to go up little by little, moving up in uh, the, age, the older age groups. How did you move up the ladder to becoming an MLS referee? How was that? So it, it, it took time. It took going to, to those tournaments, to the regional tournaments, starting with Stake Up, actually Stake Up Residence Club, regionals tournament, DA Showcase, back right when it was, or doesn't exist anymore, but it used to be DA, DA Showcase, the uh, Generations Adidas, right? Those Dallas Cup, all those tournaments and getting identified, started going as a grade seven, you know, and move up uh, little by little, but a lot of tournaments, a lot of adult tournaments as well. You made your MLS debut on July 4th, 2017. Can you tell me what you were thinking in the build up to the match? Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a very interesting match, you know, first, first game, very exciting. Um, a little bit nervous, but it wasn't more nervous. It was more exciting than, than anything else. You know, my first game, I had Alex Bruce, which was the one in charge of the fourth officials back then coming in to watch my game. I had uh, Howard Webb also showed up to the game. So it was, it was a very, very special first game. Uh, I was just very, very excited to get into it, to, to blow the first whistle, you know, get, get your feet going. And once, once I blew the first whistle, it was like any other game, you know, just go out there and do, do what you learn all these years coming up little by little. What I learned is maybe just a little bit more experience to keep going later on in the rest of my MLS career. So tell me how that, how, how that match went. Was it, did you have problems during the match? How was it? Um, so it was a pretty smooth match. There wasn't much going on. Felipe had like two, two, three yellow cards max. Um, There's a situation at the end of the game with a goalkeeper. Um, you guys might know him. He used to be a goalkeeper for, for Columbus, Stefan. He's now the goalkeeper for the U.S. and Man City. So we had a little situation at the end of the game. Maybe I should have called the game 30 seconds earlier, but, but that was pretty much the most exciting part of the game. Other than that, it was a pretty smooth, calm game. Throughout your career, what, what do you think has been the biggest failure or mistake that you've had on the field? Uh, on the field, biggest mistake. Um, well, th there's been a couple of games that come to mind. Coming up, uh, had an Open Cup game in Charleston, South Carolina versus Orlando City. And I I called that penalty kick. It was, clearly wasn't after I saw it. It was in overtime. And what came to my head is as soon as I called it, I had a feeling. I was like, oh, man, I think I, I messed up this call. And so, you know, I went back and sat and watched the game. Obviously, I missed it. But going back and I, I keep replaying the game. And the reason why I missed it was something as easy as fitness. I was in the wrong position because I was out of shape. Um, I didn't know much about fitness back then. Referee in fitness, right? I was in fitness. I played college soccer, but not the referee in fitness. So it came back to that. So th what I learned from that is you got to get in referee shape. So I had to, th that was my next mindset to, you know, now get into referee shape and get ready for it. How important do you think that fitness is for referees? 
Well, I think it's extremely important. I think it's a huge part of our game, especially in today's game where you see faster players, right? Smarter players, athletes. We're seeing extremely well athletes out there, which maybe we didn't see 20 years ago, 30 years ago with all the training regimen, right? That teams have now, all the, uh, the you know, the catapults, the the incentive that they have in their back when we train, we also have it too. So when, when they get monitored by a professional, it makes it so much harder. So they're only getting faster, you know, they're getting more agile. So we have to, we have to get in better shape than they would for a game. So all of that takes into the refereeing, especially when in order to make the right call, you got to be in the right position. And in order to be in the right position, you have to be fit. So fitness is a huge part. What's the biggest challenge that you've had right now with COVID and how are you overcoming it in relation to refereeing? I think the biggest thing, especially when COVID started, was trying to get, in relation to refereeing, right? It was trying to get a field to train. Everything was closed at the beginning. Uh, gyms were closed, so no gyms were open. So trying to get that training was probably the hardest thing, you know, trying to find a field, a piece of grass, even in the concrete, right, outside of your house or running around. So that the biggest thing was to, to find somewhere to train. And overcoming it was just, you know, going out there and doing it, finding a place or going out in the streets and running in concrete, but you needed to stay shaped for when your name was called again, because we knew it was going to happen soon. So now things are starting to open up a little bit more. So it's, it's a lot better now. Well, what is some advice that you might give somebody that wants to pursue a career in, in Major League Soccer as a referee? One advice I'll give, and this is coming, you know, coming up when you're, when you're young, is take every, take every game like it's your last game. You, you never know who's going to be watching, you know, like I got discovered just doing a, a U16 boys game and nobody was supposed to be watching my game. They were supposed to be watching the game next door or next field and happened to be 15 minutes late. They turned around and started watching my game and they like what they saw. So just be prepared every step, be prepared for every game because you never know which one's going to be your lucky one. Who were those people that, that saw you that game? That game was... DA, I believe that I was already getting a little bit known, but in, in DA, I went and uh, Brian Hall was actually in the field next door and turned around and, and watched me for 15 minutes and from there. But I had a lot of people that watched me before that, but kind of Brian was the one who took me in there after that game, you know, to get me ready for the next professionals, I would say, you know, uh, the USL games and stuff like that. So what is one thing that you wish you had known before you started your career? Uh, how important fitness was. <laughs> If I didn't know how important fitness was, I would have been a lot more ready than when I was getting into the next level, that's for sure. So fitness for sure is one, one thing I wish I would have known back then. Who do you think are the three most influential people in your refereeing career? Many, many of them. Uh, but one I can tell you for sure has been my wife. She's been with me for the past 12 years and that has been my, my number one support. And without her, let me tell you, without family support, it's pretty hard to do this job. So her having to be with me for 12 years and basically saw me from when I was a grade seven all the way to a grade one. So, and she stuck with them all those years. So definitely her for sure. What sacrifices have you had to make in order to become one of the top referees in the U.S.? I think the biggest sacrifice is, is time, you know, being able to miss family parties, birthdays, weddings, you know, friends' weddings that I've been able to miss because something came about. So I think time is the biggest sacrifice you're, you're putting time to spend with your family, with your friends. You have to learn how to manage it, but also when duty calls, we have to be ready and we have to accept it. So that's something that when you get into refereeing, you, you have to accept. Sometimes you're going to miss parties, you're going to miss weddings, you're going to miss birthdays. Just be ready for it. Many people believe that, that refereeing is a challenge to the point where it becomes overwhelming or too much to handle. Um, why do you think people believe that? 
Overwhelming, yes, I can see where people believe that it's overwhelming, especially because of your family, right? All the all the time you got to be away from your family and stuff like that. But how do you handle it is time management and time management and how to balance your, your social life and your family life with refereeing, you know? I have this thing of when, when I come home from a game on, on Saturday, right? Let's say I have a game on Saturday and I come home on, on Sunday. So on Sunday, I tend to just be there with my family, be there in, in, in that day. I don't think much about the game. I don't watch, try not to watch soccer that day. And Monday, I'm back at it. You know, Monday, I'll go over the game. I'll go everything I have to do. But Sunday, I try to be there for my family, especially since I've been away a couple of days already. So being there, having to, to balance that, I think is the biggest, the biggest thing. What do you think is the most misunderstood aspect of refereeing? I think that when, when you make a mistake, I believe that some, I mean, I'm not saying anybody, I'm just guessing that when you make a mistake, they don't, they, they believe that we just move on and we don't. Sometimes we, trust me, you know how many sleepless nights I've had in hotels because of a call that I made that, you know, looking back at it, I'm like, man, this is not the best call. So we, we do, we, we, we hold ourselves to a, a very high standard, just like players do, right? When they miss a goal, when a goalkeeper lets an easy goal in, we, we, we hold ourselves to a very high standard as well. So we want to be, you know, perfect out there, but nobody's going to be perfect. We're always going to make, everybody's going to make mistakes. So, but we definitely don't forget about those mistakes. They're there, you know, and all we can do is go back to the game. Why did I make that mistake? How can I, can I improve it for next game? You know, how am I going to overcome that mistake and just move on? That's all we can do. Do you think also that VAR has helped you make less mistakes? I don't think it's helped us make less mistake. It's helped us when we do make a mistake and we couldn't fix it before. So now we have that, that security there of where, hey, we can see everything. Like I just told you, right? We're not, we're not perfect. We are going to make mistakes. So now we have that, that safe line there where if we do make it, then it's there to save us. So I, I think it does have helped the game for sure. Say there's a penalty call. Have you ever just gone to the monitor and be a bit surprised maybe that you didn't see something? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's a game of angles, right? You go and look and you're like, man, that is not what I saw at all on the game. And, you know, especially the handballs, those are the tricky ones, right? Because it could be in a position where you cannot see it at all. And then they're telling you, hey, I recommend the review for penalty. And you're like, penalty kick. And then you go, look, clear handball. But from your position, you didn't see it at all. Right. Or you might miss miss might have missed seeing the point of contact right on a, on a red card situation where you think he missed him. And then when you go to see the camera, it clearly gets him. But like I said, it's, it's impossible to have all the angles from where we're looking. It's nice when you're in VAR, have that that has maybe 12 camera angles and you'll be able to see it all when you get there. What do you think uh, your unique skills are that have helped you become a successful referee? Uh, I think my personality very outgoing and very approachable um, person. So I think that has helped me a lot with the players. You know, like big thing that has, had, that has changed in soccer has been fitness, right? Players are getting faster, but also we're dealing with a lot of different personalities. You know, MLS is getting a lot of different players from a lot of different countries. So personalities from, from different countries are coming in together. So I think my easygoing, my laid back and being able to, to address people and talk to people has helped me a lot in, in refereeing. Well, what types of interactions have, have you had with, with players? From everything, from good ones to, to not really so good ones, but the good ones are the ones that, that help you, you know, manage the game and keep going. And also not the so good ones. I think how, how, they, how you treat them, right? The respect that you give them, even if they're coming at you strong, you are going to have players that are coming at you strong, right? And they're coming at you at a very high level because they're mad at something that just happened. 
and it's how do you respond to them, right? I think not to go to that level. I think to stay a little bit, hey, I'm here, talk to me, I understand you. And I think that have helped me a lot. Not get also very, if I get, if you get too frustrated, people coming at each other is not going to help. So I think keeping calm and, you know, dealing with them, talking to them has, has helped me a lot. Well, what are some of those good and, and not so good situations that you've had with players? Well, I've had funny situations, you know, players where you go to VAR and you, you come back and they're like, how did you miss it? And I go, I did not see the angle. You know, I did not see what you saw. And they had a great angle because they were on the other side. So they give me, how did you miss that? And I go, man, just, I wish I would have been in your position. I wish I would have been where you were. So you could, I would have had it a perfect angle just as you. So stuff like that, you know, not so good ones is just them being frustrated and telling me stuff that you don't like to hear. And then you just like, hey, we're professionals here, you know, and they understand, you know, a moment once in a while, they, they go crazy, but they, they understand they're, they're professional. In grassroots game, it's common for us to caution players for dissent. Why do you guys not do that in the MLS so much? So I, I think we do. I just, I just think we, we think to manage a little bit more than, than maybe grassroots. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's how, how to say it, but I think we, we just tend to manage a little bit more. You know, we, we, we understand the frustration sometimes. So instead of just giving them a yellow card, we, we go in and deal with it. But if it gets to the level where you need to, then yes, we will definitely issue dissent. But I think, I think you're right. I think we do manage a little bit more. Do you think that the authority that a referee needs comes naturally? Or do you think that it's something that can be learned? I think it can be learned. I think with experience, um, little by little games, you know, just, I don't, I mean, some people might have it right away, but I think experience helps you to gain that authority as well. You know, you, you just can't be in your first game, go out there and be the, the authority type. I don't believe, you know, it's just not going to go well with players. I think little by little gaining their, their trust, gaining their, their respect will help you get that. Too. So obviously we, we, as referees, we all have bad games. How do you deal with such a game? Being able to learn how to move on from that game. And what I mean by that is I go, like I told you, I go home on Sunday. Don't think, try not to think about the games, family time. And then on Monday I go and watch the game, you know, go over the game. And the only thing I can tell you from that is I pick up my points. I pick, okay, where could I have done better? What, what's into, what could I change from this that got me in trouble? You know, what can I learn from all these situations? And then I'm going to, take these things, you know, and practice it or do it in my next game, you know, practice it, keep going, keep going. And then the biggest thing is move on from that game that happened. Don't get stuck in that game behind, you know, it was, if it was a bad game, okay, it happened and I got to move to the next one because it's a whole new different game and like that, keep going. But my, my biggest key is I take one game at a time. Okay. I want to finish. And the time that game starts is when I get the assignment, right? And the time that gets finished is when I finish doing my evaluation. Once I do my self-evaluation, then I move on to the next game. Yep. And that's how I, I try to do it. From your perspective as a professional referee, what are the best and worst aspects of being a referee? I think one of the, the coolest things is being able to, to be involved in the game, you know, to stay in, in, in something that you love. Like I said, I, I, grew, I grew, basically grew up playing soccer. I love the game. So the biggest thing is I got to stay in it, you know? I never liked coaching. I always wanted to be more involved, more active. So refereeing gave me that opportunity. So that's one of the best aspects. The, the, the worst aspect, right? That's what you were saying? The kind of the opposite. I will say how much time it is away from home, you know, the traveling. But again, it has its perks as well. So, but I think that's the worst, you know, being so much time away from the family.
In your opinion, what are the, the key attributes that a modern day referee must have to be successful? I think the biggest thing talked about before, I believe, is being fit, right? Being fit, staying fit. Um, personality, being able to have a good personality, you know, interact with players and being coachable. You have to be coachable. You have to be able to, to have somebody and being able to, to talk about your game, you know, what went wrong and what can we do to, to move forward. So being coachable, staying fit and personality. And if you could choose one game to referee any game in the world, say a World Cup final or an MLS Cup final, which game would you choose? Everybody aims high, you know, everybody aims for the World Cup final. That's pretty much the, the pediment of our of our industry, right? So I think everybody would love to do the, the World Cup final. I would love to do the MLS Cup final one day. I would love to do the Olympics final, CONCACAF League, Champions League final, you know, all those all those games. But looking one one game, I think we all would like to do the, the World Cup final, you know? Well, what is one of your pet peeves or something that you find annoying of being a soccer referee? I don't know. I don't find much much annoying about uh, about refereeing. Pet peeve. It's a good question. I don't think I find anything really annoying. Like I said, that the only thing that I can think about is so much traveling, you know, at least for us. But as a young, I love refereeing so much that it was just fun for me. So what are some of the key areas of officiating that you still think you need to improve? I think positioning because I think the game changes every day. I think it evolves and it keeps getting, I would talk about faster. Um, tactics, right? Tactics from team from from free kicks, from corner kicks. So we have to be adapting to that. So how do we adapt to that? By positioning, changing our positioning. So I think positioning is one thing that we always can keep learning in uh, in refereeing. As a referee, how do you neutralize stressful situations on the field, whether it be with players or coaches? To not let things get to me. I know it's easier said than done, but I, I, I really try not to take anything personal. I know at the end of the game, it, it is a game, right? It's it's their job too. So it's, they're, they're not doing it for me personally. They, sometimes the things they say is not personal. Sometimes the, the actions they make are not personal. You know, it's just their job and it's the game they love. So I try not to take things personally. It's a big, it's a big thing for me on how to, to manage that. And that's how I think about it, you know? And I think about, hey, he's just, this is his job and this is his game and it's his passion. We, it's all of our passion, so I, I can understand it. What's the best exchange that you've had between you and a player, coach, or anything, anyone else in the staff during a match? I honestly don't think I can, I can remember uh, one memorable like that that I have in, in the back of, of my head, to be honest, that I can just say, hey, this happened between me and a player. Had definitely many conversations with as a fourth official with coaches, you know, telling me about stuff about the referee. I can just say, well, you're, you're looking at it from here, right? How can you know what he's looking from 20 yards or right in front of him, right? We're 40, 50 yards away. There's no way, right? I can even see what's going on. And you're going to tell me you saw it the same next to me. So stuff like that is the most we've had. If you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice in relation to refereeing, what would it be? Train. <laughs> Train and... Uh... It, it becomes a lifestyle, right? It's not a, I'm training because I need to, because I, I'm going to have this game this weekend. No, it's, it's a lifestyle now, you know, it's part of my day, a routine now. It becomes a routine. And I wish I would have known this a lot earlier. So I would have been ready. You know, I didn't need to start getting ready. So if I were to give my, my younger self an advice is take fitness serious from the beginning. <laughs> And nutrition, right? All of that is, in, is included in that. Outside of soccer, what, what is one thing that you like doing? Spending time with the family. Christian, I don't know if I, I can say it any better than that. Just 
you know, enjoying vacations with the family, whether it's, you know, hanging out at the beach here in Miami or we're just eating at a restaurant, but just spending time in with the family for sure. Have you ever felt demotivated on your journey to becoming a pro referee? Of course, I've, I've had become when I was coming up, you know, you always make a mistake and you're like, oh, I'm not going to make it. And the biggest advice I can give to that is have people around you that support you, you know, talk to your other referee um, friends, get them involved. Hey, this happened on my game. How can we, how can we, how can we go to this so it doesn't happen again? You know, how can we learn from this? So having those people around you and motivate, keep, keep going, you know, having motivating you. So it's refereeing has given us a lot of friendships and, and it helps when you're in a, in a situation where you feel down, talk to them. Definitely will, will help. What are the mentors, the people that have helped you become pro referee? Man, my, the whole Florida Academy, I can name you everybody, you know, like I told you, Joel, Joe Migna, Tim, Tim Fouts, Abram Douglas, Greg Watson, you know, then from the regional side, Ryan Sigich, Brian, uh, Mark, you know, Geiger, Howard, so many people. Um, Marino Torrens, one of the guys that I got me, he was my first coach and got me into, into refing. But uh, there are so, so many people that have helped me to this journey that we can be here for, for hours as, as mentors. And, you know, I always feel grateful because when you have so many people like that that want to help, and want to be, want to give you advice. It's, it's so, so good. What is your biggest goal in, in refereeing? World Cup, for sure, you know, being able, I think that's everybody's world goal, go to a World Cup and referee the World Cup final, you know, gotta be ambitious. Have to have those goals, set them. And again, that's the highest goal. But like I told you, I always take one game at a time. My, my goal is my next game. And that's the one I'm gonna tackle next, one game at a time. So always be my motto. If you could step into my shoes and ask yourself a question that I didn't, what would it be? I, I would say another another advice, you know, for, for young referees out there that are that are coming up is manage manage time. Biggest thing, manage time between your family and refereeing. Being coachable goes goes a huge long way. I I think that's one of the key key things on on becoming a, a professional referee, being coachable and listening to other people. And I think helping out other young referees, right? The younger referees that are coming up as well, helping them out. It, at the end of the day, we are a team. We're also a team. Yes, we're competitors because we won the best game. But we're only as good as our weakest link. That is true in every, every aspect. So we, we want to be all the best. And the better we all are, the better we all look. So I think helping out each other is a big key on refereeing and Every, all the success that we've had has been thinking to someone else, right? Helping us and pushing us up. So why not give that back to, to a younger referee? Being coachable and humble. Why is that so important? <laughs> wow. Cause I coming up, right. Coming up after doing a game, after doing a game, I, I, I didn't just go home and say, I'm the best referee. Right. I could have just go home and say, I'm the referee. I don't need any help. And I can guarantee you that wouldn't have taken me anywhere. I would have been stuck home right now doing another profession. But what I did is I had this assessors, right? These mentors that we talked about after the games will come and tell me, hey, this is what we need to do to get you better. All right. These are the things that you're doing good, but what can we do to make you better? And listening to them, you know, listening to those things is what helped me. It's what helped me become better. I could have gone home and said, no, you know what? I don't want to listen to anything. And I can guarantee you, Christian, I would have been stuck at home right now doing something else. 
because it helps. But I, I think this comes in any profession, not even in refereeing. I think this is in life, being coachable, listening to other people, listening to their advice. I can tell you that I didn't think, I did not take every single thing that every mentor of me told me, but I took little pieces from each one of them. And that's what made me a great referee. And I think that's what coachable is being all about. Not just listening to what they say, it's taking everything that they say. It's taking the most important things and putting them together, right? And working it out in the next scene. That's what makes you a, a huge, a, a much better referee. And being humble, just because just a, being a good person, that just helps you out going out there and helping other people, you know, other referees. And it goes back to look at yourself. I can guarantee you all of us had somebody that helped us, right? That person that helped us. So why not go out there and do the same for, for another kid, you know? I think it's, it's, it's even more price for me if I can say, hey, I helped this kid become a FIFA referee, become a, a pro referee. Forget that. <laughs> to do USL games, to do professional games. I take that so much on pride, you know? Like, hey, I helped this kid to become something. And he now can hopefully help someone else to become something younger than him. So that that's a big that's a big thing for me, helping out other people for sure. Coming near the end of our questions, in the future, do, do you want your daughter to also, also become a referee? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> um, I'm gonna choose. I mean, I'm gonna, I hope she becomes a soccer player, to be honest. I hope I'm gonna put her in soccer and, uh, and let her play. I might introduce her to refereeing for sure, you know, if she likes it good, I'll help her as much as I can. And if she doesn't, I'll still be happy. But I'm definitely going to put her into soccer, Christian, that's for sure. She's going to be involved. Well, that's the end of our questions. Rubio, do you have anything you might want to add to all the young referees listening to you right now? Just keep going, keep working hard. It, it took a long time. I cannot tell you this is not an overnight thing and there's a lot of downs and a lot of up. And um, there might be more downs than there are ups, but it's how you come back from those downs, right? How do, you, how do you come back after a bad game that defines you as a referee? You know, are you going to let that sit on you and just stop refereeing? Or are you going to say, hey, I'm going to improve from this and become better? Keep going, you know? Take one game at a time, but keep going. Keep pushing forward. And uh, hopefully I'll, I'll see some of you in the next level in the MLS. All right. Well, thank you, Rubio, for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is the CR Referee Podcast, and we'll see you until the next episode. Bye.